This is The Mudroom, on Common Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson, parenting effectiveness coach and child behavior strategist. Weekly nuggets of developmentally appropriate parenting wisdom to help you parent your toddlers and preschoolers more effectively with less effort. The Mudroom is recorded live on Facebook every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific. Now, here's Alana. Hey everyone, welcome to The Mudroom, our weekly free and live Uncommon Sense Parenting class. Before we jump in though, hey, I'm Alana Robinson. I'm a parenting effectiveness coach and I help parents of toddlers, preschoolers, and kindergartners understand why their children are misbehaving and how to fix it without yelling, shaming, or coercing them. So I don't know about where you live, But where we are here in Ontario, it's report card time and parent-teacher interview time. And I had an interesting conversation with my son's teacher at his interview last week. And then that rolled over into an interesting conversation in the Parentability Inner Circle group. And I thought it was something that's kind of important to keep in mind for all parents. So I figured, hey, great mudroom topic. (laughs) So the backstory is that my oldest was having difficulty with keeping school toys at school. He kept like squirreling them away in his backpack and bringing them home. And inevitably we'd be tidying up and my husband and I would find a toy and we'd be like, hey, I don't recognize this. Do you know? Hey, where did this come from? (laughs) And then he'd admit that he'd swiped it from school. So the first time it happened, we just, you know, put the toy back in his backpack, sent it back to school, had a conversation with him, told him it wasn't acceptable. Pretty standard, right? The second time it happened, we were like, okay, this isn't just a fluke. So we sat down and we had a plan B conversation. So if you aren't familiar with plan B, plan B is a conversation format designed by Dr. Ross Green to help get to the bottom of why children are struggling to do certain things. Personally and professionally, I don't find that it works very well until a child is about five or six years old. It requires a lot of introspection and fairly advanced reasoning and language skills. So before five and a half-ish, I don't find that children are really able to engage in it very well, which is why I developed the logical consequence process. The LCP is modeled off the Plan B framework. It's just been adapted down for younger kids who aren't really capable of having that back and forth conversation. But around five and a half-ish, the LCB starts to become a bit of a power struggle. And that's kind of your red flag that it's time to move into plan B. And in parentability, we kind of mix and match the two for a while while we're in that transition period. But anyways, so we had a plan B conversation and Logan raised some concerns. He said that he was upset because his classmates were hogging certain toys. So if he didn't get a turn to use a toy, then he was just stashing it in his backpack to make sure that he'd get a chance to use it next time. And often that meant that he forgot it was there and then he'd bring it home with him. He also mentioned that sometimes he'd find a toy and not know where to put it. So he'd put it in his backpack, which is fair. Um, his school's kind of got a weird setup. It's a bilingual school. So half of his instruction is in French and half is in English. And they swap classrooms every second day. So like one day he's in the French class and the next day he's in the English class. And then the next day they switch. 
Which is really confusing, but it makes sense that he wouldn't always know where a specific thing belonged because he's bouncing between two different classrooms. He said that sometimes he'd like find a toy and he actually did know where it went, but then he was scared that if he went to put it back that he'd get in trouble. Which again is a pretty valid concern when maybe you find something and you realize it belongs in the other classroom, so then you're really drawing attention to yourself by leaving the class. So. He'd stash it in his backpack, and then finally, sometimes he'd just really like a toy and want one exactly like it, so he'd bring it home. So at the end of the discussion, we had four pretty defined problems that needed solving. So we had a brainstorming session, and we came up with some solutions. And two of those solutions are solutions that are expecting him to fail. His solutions were that He'd like his friends to start a wait list for toys, which was completely within his ability to do. All his friends can at the very least write their name. So that was a very easy solution to the hogging problem that didn't actually require any adult intervention, which was awesome. <laughs> That's the best kind, right? He also wanted a lost and found bin, which they'd had in the class the year before, but hadn't started again this year. And that was to solve the problem of not knowing where something goes and being scared of drawing attention to himself for putting something away outside of cleanup time. And he wanted me to give him a new backpack list with give back toys as the first thing on the list and a social story about toys staying at school. And then he wanted to be able to ask his teacher to text me pictures of toys that he'd like for his birthday or Christmas. So, so far, things have been good. Like it's been working great. We haven't had any toys come home in over a month. But going back to his parent-teacher interview, his teacher was thanking me for not only coming up with suggestions for solutions to the actual problem, but also suggesting fallback solutions for when the top-level solutions failed, for planning for him to fail at it. And then when I was talking about it in parents' ability, my members were having light bulb moments too about planning for their kids to fail because the reason Logan was struggling to keep toys at school, the deep down root reason, was that he needs some more impulse control and planning and prioritizing practice. The conversation that I had with him really highlighted that for me. The skills he was struggling to use in all of those instances that we talked about were impulse control and planning and prioritizing. That's why he was having those difficulties. Those are the lagging skills below the surface. So for us, that meant that we had to refocus some of our energy at home into building up those skills. And up until then, our focus had been on other skills. But I know that these skills take time to develop further. It's not something that he's going to just master overnight. <laughs> that would be lovely, but unfortunately that's not how it works. Not even in a week, right? So while he gets better at those skills, we're going to continue having that problem. He's going to keep impulsively putting toys in his backpack when he wants them or when he doesn't know where they go or he feels trapped. So in order for him not to do that, he has to control his impulses and be able to plan ahead. And at that time, he was not so great at that. <laughs> so two of our solutions are actually solutions that are expecting him to fail at that one. He has a laminated poster in his backpack that says, before I go home, I need two. And up until now, it was just really a visual list of all his outdoor clothing that he needed to put on his body because we're Canadian and in the winter, there's a ton of it. 
and other things that he needed to put in his backpack, like his lunch pail. But I made a new one for him. And the very first thing on that list is now give back toys. So before he leaves school, his teacher directs him to go and look at his list and do his list. And so he looks at his list and he just has to mentally check off everything that he's done. And that prompts him to look in his bag and empty his pockets and put anything that he finds that isn't his into the lost and found bin. And second is that lost and found bin. And all the children are encouraged to use it. It's in the same area as their outdoor gear. And anyone at any time can put anything in it. So if they find a mitt that isn't theirs, they can put it in the bin. If you realize that you have a toy that isn't yours in your pocket, put it in the bin. The teachers talk to the class about it as a whole, about how to use it. So it's a solution for everybody. And they've reported that it actually is working really, really well, which makes me very happy. So that's what I mean when I say we need to plan for our children to fail because building skills, it takes time. It's literally wiring their brain. That takes a lot of time and persistence and consistency. It's not a quick fix. It's a very durable solution and durability doesn't come quick or easy. So while working on skills is important, we also have to make plans for strategies to use in the interim while they still suck at it. And that's something that we spend a lot of time on in parentability because working on skills, once you know what you're doing, is pretty straightforward. So we create plans to manage behavior while they get better at those skills. And then what all of my clients eventually report is that they start to notice that they aren't having to use those strategies very often at some point. And that's when you know that their skills are now proficient at a level that is allowing them to be successful. So Logan's teacher was saying, you know, at the beginning of the year, he was dumping literal handfuls of toys into the lost and found bin at the end of every single day. He was going back and reading his social story about it every single day. And now he's maybe reading it once a week. He's got the occasional toy in his pocket or backpack at the end of the day. His skills are catching up to the demands of the environment, so he isn't needing to fall back on those fallback solutions as much as he did when the problems originally came up. So does that make sense? <laughs> I know that it can kind of feel like you're dooming them when you put fallback strategies in place. Like, okay, well, I'm not expecting this to work anyways, but it's not. We're just giving them time to build up their skills and managing the expectations of the teacher, of ourselves, and their peers all at once when we plan for them to failure, to fail. <laughs> Started my next sentence before I finished my last one. Failure is part of learning. Without failure, we can't get better. That's why we practice skills at neutral times in unrelated scenarios, because it needs to be safe to fail, and there is a Mudroom episode completely on failure. Putting strategies in place that make it safe to fail works that same way. It gives them a chance to try and just fail slightly better every single time. Okay? 
You've been listening to The Mudroom, Uncommon Sense Parenting Classes with Alana Robinson. If you like what you just heard, remember to join us every Tuesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. Pacific on Facebook. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and connect with us on social. This has been an Alana Robinson Family Services production.